Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel. Uh, Maryland coming off a bye week, currently 5-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in the Big Ten, fifth place in the East after Rutgers picked up their sixth win, third conference win over the weekend. They reached bowl eligibility. Uh, Maryland back in action this week on the road against Northwestern. Big game before they face off against Penn State in a couple weeks. Uh, Pat Donahue couldn't be with us, but I got Mike Popovic here with me to preview this game and also take a quick look at where we're at in the Big Ten. So, Mike, I'll give you a chance just to to give us a snapshot of kind of where we're at in the Big Ten and what happened over this weekend, because it was a big weekend, obviously, with that Penn State-Ohio State game being the the marquee matchup. Yeah, and I got a chance to watch that entire game. You know, really what stood out, I mean, you've got two teams that have good defenses, and both teams had a tough time running the football, and, and we saw that Ohio State had a tough time running the football against Maryland. In fact, it was their lowest output on the ground, I think, in, in over 10 years in the game against Maryland, more like 15, I think it was. But anyway, um, Ohio State, in terms of though having to go to the passing game, which is their strength, they've got a lot more weapons, uh, even though quarterback play is inconsistent there with McCord they were able to make more plays in the air and they've got a better passing game than Penn state. And that that's the one thing about Penn state. The question mark coming into this year was offensive line was good. Two of the top running backs in the conference. You've got Drew Alar who has, you know, a lot of expectations, a high ceiling. They say they're already talking about him being an NFL pick, but he does not have the wide receiver play that he needed in that game. Now, that said, you have two of the best running backs in the conference and in the country, and I thought that offensive line is heralded as they were coming back this year. And the fact their left tackle could have gone to pros, gone to the pros, he did not. They struggled to run the football, which was surprising. And again, both teams didn't run the ball great, but when it came down to it, which team had a passing game that could make plays and overcome that? Well, by far, Ohio State. So that's what it came down to uh, in that one, 20 to 12, the final. And I think for Penn State, Again, you're you're thinking this is a year where they've got the talent to knock off either Ohio State or Michigan, and right now uh, they're not looking like they're going to be able to do either yet again, and they're going to play in that second tier of teams where they just can't compete. They're just not good enough uh, to, to compete or beat with the oh, – I should say compete because they did compete, but with the Ohio States and Michigans in terms of getting the Ws, Ryan Day's undefeated uh, against them, and I think um, – James Franklin, something like one and eight against Ohio State in his time uh, in state college there. And, and look, I got to say this for Ohio State, while the defenses look very good and they made the adjustment there, Zach, where they're not as aggressive as they were last year. They're playing, they're playing it safer. They're making you dink and dunk. They're not giving up the big chunk plays. In fact, I'm not sure they've given up one chunk play of 40 plus yards this year. I think it's zero coming into that game. And certainly Penn State didn't have any of those uh, in the game. So they've done a, a nice job of the adjustment there and uh, taking care of business. But I got to tell you, though, still, despite the weapons they have, for Ohio State to be ranked the, what, third best team in the country, 
they're they're very unimpressive to me offensively as the third best team in the country. They really are. And we've seen their defense, though, as good as they played this year, and they played well last year up until Maryland, Michigan, Georgia, and we'll wait to see. Now, they passed their first test, to be fair. They played well against a Penn State team that is still pretty good, you know, but they clearly don't have the weapons on the outside they need. But uh, we'll see how they how they perform against Michigan and uh, against whoever they may play in a bowl game and if they make uh, the college football playoffs. So that'll be the question mark there. So that's that's what it came down to in that game was Ohio State had the better passing game to overcome the running both team or the lack of running. Both teams had good defenses. Uh, Rutgers bowl eligible for the first time. And I think do we did you have the year on that one? I'm trying to. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, I mean, 2014. I, I was going to say 2014 because I remember that game against Maryland that they won. Ralph Friedgen is the offensive coordinator, but it oh, really okay. has been that long. Yeah, so 2014. So, you know, Rutgers getting it done. Now, I still think their quarterback play with Wimsett is inconsistent. I mean, look, he was 5 of 12 against Indiana for 39 yards. They ran the ball to the tune of 276 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, they may have gotten a special teams or defensive touchdown there. Indiana's woeful, but still, you hand it to Rutgers. It's taken a longer time because the Big Ten is a better conference than the Big East when he turned Rutgers around coming from Miami. But they're now where Maryland was probably two years ago. And and so they're they're finding their way in the East Division, although the last year of it. Uh, but you know that'll be that'll be a good game at the end of the year. I still think Maryland has more firepower and the definite advantage at quarterback. But you got to tip your cap to Rutgers. Um, you know Minnesota, Iowa. You saw that game. Iowa continues, even though somehow, some way, they were ranked in the top twenty-five coming into that game. They had beaten Wisconsin in a low-scoring game the week before. Um, but Iowa losing to uh, to Minnesota in a West Division game there, which again leaves things wide open. Um, you know, in that uh, in that section of things, Wisconsin ugly, but they got it done over Illinois. Uh, Nebraska defeated Northwestern again, ugly 17 to nine. Let me tell you something about Wisconsin. They came into the season expecting to, um, they brought Phil Longo from North Carolina to bring in the air raid. And they had the SMU transfer at quarterback who did not start in this game. It was Braden Locke, the backup that started, but they, uh, they did throw the ball a lot in this one, 41 times, but Zach, this is a team that still, their roots, their their core is running the football and physical in the trenches. And as much as they wanted to run the air raid this year, for the most part, it's been that ground game that has gotten them to a, a five and two record. Yeah, and speaking of ground game, how about Michigan? 49 nothing over Michigan well, State. I was that was my land. Yeah, I was getting to that one. Yeah, that was the most lopsided win at Michigan State for Michigan, I think, in the history of that rivalry. Yeah. Obviously, two programs in completely different places. Now Michigan's dealing with their own set of issues even prior to uh, this sign, supposedly sign scandal that's being investigated as we speak. Um, there were still some issues and you know suspensions that, that that the team took internally ahead of an NCAA um, investigation, or I should say, ahead of a ruling next year, I guess, from the NCAA. But uh, yeah, Michigan continues to look uh, as advertised as as one of the top teams in the country, and some feel they're better than Georgia this year. Um, I think they're still going to have to prove it, assuming Georgia wins out. Uh, you got to give the benefit of the doubt to the Bulldogs, but that that Michigan team is undeterred by any of these distractions. And credit to Michigan. I mean, they're one of the few top ten teams this week that didn't struggle with with their opponents. We saw Oklahoma really struggle against UCF. UCF had a chance to to tie the game with a two point conversion there at the at the last second. Uh, Oregon 
didn't have a ton of problems with Washington State, but it wasn't the closest game. Obviously, Iowa fell to Minnesota, not not exactly a top team, but Texas had a lot of issues with Houston. They had a big comeback, I think down three touchdowns at halftime, came right back tied at 21-21. And then North Carolina falls to 1 and 5, previously 1 and 5, now 2 and 5, Virginia. And uh, an interesting stat that I saw uh, after that game, Tony Elliott, Virginia's head coach, now has more top 10 road wins than James Franklin. Wow. Yeah, I did not, no, I did not know that. Wow. James Franklin, I think zero and ten right yeah. now after this week against top ten teams on the road. Not and, great. And how do you uh, look? You, you, well, look, you saw what Virginia did early on against Maryland, and I thought they came out. They looked really good against the Terps. Now the Terps turned it around and they put it on them. But you saw glimpses or flashes of Virginia there and what what they're capable of doing. And they uh, they got a big win in Tony Elliott, the former uh, Clemson. A co-offensive coordinator who took that job at, at Virginia what well, last year, I believe it was. Yeah, and Malik Washington, their top receiver, who gave Maryland some issues, 12 catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Tony Musket, their quarterback, pretty efficient. So Okay, so Musket's back them. in. That freshman is he out. Is. Uh, the yeah. freshman looked good, though, when he, when he was in. He did, yeah. So a lot of uh, – more than a few upsets. Ole Miss had some issues with Auburn. Uh, Florida State – Duke was a was a good game for the most part. LSU didn't have any issues with Army, but and then we we mentioned beforehand USC uh, gets beat by Utah. Not necessarily an upset, but you would think you you said USC would have been better this year uh, with everything that they've brought back and Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, that whole duo. But their defenses had issues, and then Washington had some issues with Arizona State there late Saturday night. And USC was supposed to have taken care of some of their defense, defensive efficient, uh, deficiencies, I think, through the transfer portal. They still kept the same D.C. That's turned out to be a mistake. And on top of that, Utah Kyle Whittingham has USC's number. And remember, that is a backup quarterback that is playing for Utah. Um, who's a uh, a pig farmer? Yeah, he's a pig farmer, and uh, like they said, we got a pig farmer. They had a Heisman Trophy uh, winner yep. at quarterback at US. Uh, excuse me, Utah has USC's number big time, and I think of the five losses that USC's head coach has, three of them are to uh, Utah. Utah is just a fantastic program that they're, Kyle they're the most has built. They're one of they're. The most, I'll say right now, they're the most underrated program in the country. I've said for the yeah. longest time, um, Oklahoma State's up there is one of the most underrated uh, programs in the country. Utah, I think, is the most underrated program in the country, period. Yeah, Oklahoma State's kind of fallen off the last five years or so, but Utah, man. I don't know about five years, but I know maybe this year or last. Two years. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, but anyway, you you're right. Mike Gundy had a, has a very impressive program going down there, but Kyle Whittingham, man. The things that he's been able to do in Utah, not exactly a talent-rich state for football, yeah. um, and to build what what he's been able to build, very, very impressive. I'm kind of glad that he's not joining the Big Ten yet because that would be a pesky game for Maryland, obviously. Already have UCLA and USC, Washington, Oregon. But um, we'll talk some Maryland now. Got Northwestern this weekend. Northwestern 3-4. and four. Uh, record on the year, one and three in the conference. They've lost their last two conference games to Penn State and Nebraska, had a bye week and then a game against Howard, random game against Howard in early October, squeezed in there. Uh, their lone conference win came at home against Minnesota in overtime. I think it was 37-34. Mm -hmm. um, before the year, 
Uh, longtime head coach Pat Fitzgerald was fired in July after 17 years as their head coach, allegations of hazing, sexual abuse. Um, David Braun was hired right before the year as their defensive coordinator. Uh, he is their interim head coach. He also calls the defensive plays still. But we'll look we'll look offensively first. Mike Bajakian, fourth season as offensive coordinator. So Maryland's seen him a couple times now. Pretty straightforward spread system. I know he was down at Tennessee for a little bit. I think he was at Indiana for a couple years. Very straightforward spread scheme. Uh, this year, one of the worst rushing offenses in the country. They're 123rd in the country running the ball. Average just 86 yards per game. Less than two yards per carry in their in their conference games this year. Um, although their backup running back, Anthony Tyus, has had some, some success in their last couple of games, he'll probably see some more time. 63 yards on six carries against Nebraska. So, Mike, when you're looking at this Nebraska or this Northwestern team, Maryland has had some success stopping the run this year. Their run defense has probably been more consistently better than their pass defense. So an opportunity for them to take that next step, continue to stop the run, and force whoever Northwestern's quarterback is, because we'll talk about that. It's a little bit up in the air force them to beat you through the air but this is the type of game it's going to be a little cold in the 50s might might have some rain up in Evanston a game that you got to be able to stop the run and it sets up well for Maryland it, it does and I, I think this is the kind of game where it's more about Maryland than it is Northwestern and they ought to come out and play with their hair on fire because of the major disappointment in the loss to uh, Illinois at home right before the bye coming off uh, a strong outing, although not a complete outing, but a strong outing against Ohio State. So this is a team that, coming off the bye, ought to be highly motivated, highly energized. But, yeah, again, to me, this is more about Maryland doing what they do and taking care of business that way instead of necessarily having to really specifically focus. Uh, and I know that, look, obviously they're going to game plan and and they'll, they will you know take a look at you know this guy or that guy and, and talk about what they need to do to win. But I think in general, though, it's more about what they need to do and just playing their game and being the best Maryland team they can be than having to worry about what Northwestern brings uh, to the table. It's a lot of the new assistants there at Northwestern uh, that they hired on the defensive side. They almost uh, fired the OC as well, but you mentioned uh, uh, Bajakian, and uh, he's a guy that – prior to Fitzgerald um, being fired, had confidence in, 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 excuse me, in him because of his uh, success in previous stops. So that's why they stayed with him. But you've got a lot of new coaches. And then for Fitzgerald to be fired, that's uh, – and, and the, the, all the stories about uh, the culture there. And, and I, I'm shocked, frankly, by it. And, look, I don't know how much that's played into their record this year because, frankly, Zach, this wasn't that great of a team coming back this year anyway. They were horrible on offense last year. They lost a lot of defensive talent from last year. So, um, you know, it was to be expected that they weren't going to be that good of a team this year anyway. Yeah, tight game in College Park last year, though, between these two teams. Obviously, Talia missed that game with injury. Uh, Billy Edwards was the starting quarterback. But it took a late, like, 70-something yard touchdown run from Roman Hemby I remember I was at that game. He was running right into my corner of the end zone um, to win that game for Maryland. I think that was homecoming as well last uh, last year. So 
it'll be it'll be an interesting matchup. I think I think defensively it matches up pretty well for Maryland. You look at some of the issues that they've had this year, typically as far as the passing game goes, which is where most of Northwestern's success has come. It comes when the opposing team has bigger, more physical receivers. Maryland's DBs aren't the biggest in the world. They're typically better against the speedier guys. Northwestern's uh, top three receivers, six foot, six foot, and five ten. So they're not going to beat you with their physicality. They are pretty quick. Um, you've got Bryce Kurtz, who is their best deep threat, 16 yards per catch and three touchdowns. Although for most of these guys in their passing attack, their numbers are skewed a bit because they threw for almost 400 yards against Minnesota. And Kurtz had 10 catches for 215 yards and two scores against Minnesota. Other than that, they haven't thrown for more than 175 yards in any of their conference games. Um, so it'll be... It'll be interesting. It's hard to take a lot of those stats. Uh, you got to take them with a grain of salt. The quarterback situation, as I mentioned, a little bit in flux. Ben Bryant is their starter, Cincinnati transfer. He was at Eastern Michigan before that. He's been out the last few weeks. He suffered an upper body injury against Penn State. He missed their last game against Nebraska. Brendan Sullivan is the backup. Neither one of those guys is all that efficient, though. About 60% completion percentage between the two of them, and both of them are around that mark. So even though they've had more success throwing the ball, I don't think either of these guys is going to scare Maryland. Sullivan's a little bit of a threat with his legs, but not anything to be all that concerned with. Well, and and I'm just taking a look here as well, and I, I think that's a good point that you bring up about you really do have to break down the numbers and go through these games to be able to you know extract, okay, where's the outlier and what have they generally been doing? I thought it was interesting, though, and I understand – one of the long runs that or the longest run that this uh, running back had I'm about to reference had a 64 yarder. But even when you back that out of the average here, um, it, it's incredible against Howard. Uh, Ed and James had 21 carries for 177 yards. Now his longest run was 64, but even if you take that away, that it's 20 carries for about 113 yards, which is still over five yards per carry. So against Howard, Howard ran the football. That was the one player. The rest of the guys didn't do much. But their guy ran for 177 yards, and that was not their quarterback. That was not a dual-threat quarterback. Very, very impressive there, but that's pretty damning of the Northwestern defense against an FCS team. Yeah, they've really struggled to stop the run this year, 99th in the country. It seems like everybody's able to run on them. Their saving grace has been their pass defense, though, one of the best in the country, 13th uh, in pass defense in the, in the country, fifth best in the Big Ten. They've got some really good DBs. They're both of their corners, one of the best cornerback duos uh, in the conference, Garnett Hollis and Rod Hurd and Coco Azima, excellent safety that they have. Um, they have, like I think, five interceptions this year, which on paper you think like, okay, that's pretty good, but they've all come in bunches. They had three... Uh, in one of their games, I think against UTEP earlier this year, and then they had two last week against Nebraska. And if you know anything about Nebraska, they love to turn the football over no matter who's playing quarterback. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, they've been able to ball hawk in spurts, but regardless, they've been very good against the pass. I don't know how worried Maryland's going to be with that. You would like to see Maryland be able to take advantage of the weak run defense but at the same time, Maryland's strength lies in its passing attack. And I think regardless of opponent, and we saw this, this against Ohio State, which is an excellent pass defense, regardless of opponent, they're going to look to sling the rock and they're going to look to get Talia going back in a rhythm. 
Yeah, and that's what they do. But, again, I think you bring up some good points in the scouting here with Northwestern that it's not just because teams have run the ball so well against them that they're good in pass defense because a lot of times it's, well, that because teams aren't throwing the ball against them because they're running the ball against them so so well. That's sure. why the pass defense uh, numbers look so good. But in this case, and if you go back and take a look at both the Duke game and the Penn State game, in both cases against good quarterbacks, uh, the Northwestern defense uh, held those passing games down against Duke and Penn State. Uh, and uh, I think with uh, uh, Duke, it was about a little over 200 yards. Uh, Drew Alara for Penn State, just a buck 89. Uh, Duke threw no touchdown passes against Northwestern. And Penn State just had the one um, of the starter variety. Uh, the backup did get a touchdown in there. But the uh, right the, the mode of uh, operation for Penn State was running the football to the tune of three touchdowns in that 41 to 13 win. So uh, to your point, Maryland will be tested there. So that they're still not going to be, um, they're not going to shy away from throwing the football, but to your point, yeah, they're going to, uh, they're going to get a good test there. And so don't get too greedy and, and, you know, you gotta, you gotta come and play hard and, and they're back seven. You talk about their secondary, but also, Three of their linebackers are all returning as well, all three seniors. So not just the secondary, but the back seven as a, as a whole. Yeah, their linebackers are really good in coverage. I know Bryce Gallagher leads the team in tackles. He's a sideline-to-sideline side guy, very good. Yeah, had 100 a, tackles last year. Yeah. yeah, and he's leading the team, I think, by a good bit, by like 10 tackles, 64 tackles, I think, on the year the last time I checked. Uh, they haven't been great on third downs, which kind of speaks to their run defense. They get into short yardage situations and can't really stop anything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, schematically, they don't run the rush the passer much, uh, which I feel like we haven't really seen a team yet that likes to rush the passer a whole lot. Ohio State like to sit in coverage, and Northwestern kind of does the same thing. A lot of two deep safeties, a lot of cushion. So like you said, Talia can't get greedy. Take what's underneath. I think this is a game where you would like to see, and, and talking about injuries, Maryland obviously was a, was pretty uh, hampered against Illinois with injuries. Corey Deitches and then the guys in the secondary still in Trader. This is a game where I think Deitches, as long as he's healthy, he's been able to get back, um, could have a big game underneath uh, if they're going to play coverage on the back end. Yeah, and again, uh, this is a Maryland team that should go out and, and take care of business. I don't know what the point spread is. You probably have that. But get the W, but it should be a strong win. And as I said, they should come out and play with their uh, with their hair on fire. And let me go back for just a quick second to the offensive approach. Yeah, they're going to throw the football and, and, and throw it as they do more times and run it. But this is a game, though, where that offensive line, though, um, they ought to get – they ought to get themselves in gear and have themselves a day as well. And, and Zach, it, it wouldn't hurt to take a little bit of stress off of uh, Talia and run the football effectively, set up the play action, some under center plays that they do have, and, uh, and be able to help them out that way and, and help out the, the passing offense as a whole. Yeah, Northwestern lost a lot of talent on their lines from last year. Their offensive line had a good bit of experience last year. They lost their left tackle to the NFL, Skaronsky. They lost some, some pass rush talent. So they're not bringing back a whole lot, and they haven't been able to really replicate any of that experience and success that they had last year, uh, any success that they had last year on the line, which wasn't a ton, um, but definitely weaknesses. And unlike Illinois, where you know they have a lot of talent on their lines and it was more skill positions uh, that they were maybe talent deficient in, Northwestern doesn't really have that talent on the, on the lines. And you'd hope for Maryland with a week off, able to get healthy, 
and dominate those lines. And that's how you're able to overcome the 13 and a half point spread, which is what it is in this game, which seems fair given Maryland's recent performances um, and the fact that this game is on the road. But at the same time, you look at the talent on paper, this is a game Maryland should easily win by more than 13 and a half. Now, and I think we we need to see that, and they might even need to see that in themselves heading into this last stretch of the schedule where you have Penn State and Michigan still in the schedule. They're going to need to see that and prove to themselves that they can do that. If, if they come out of this game with maybe just a seven-point victory, I don't know how much confidence that gives you, even though you pick up your sixth win. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. You, you don't want to win this game ugly. There's no reason to win the game ugly. You'll take the win and on the road conference game, but but this is one of those games where they ought to, despite what I just said, despite those factors, they ought to win and they ought to win comfortably. And again, they should have some extra motivation coming off uh, the uh, the loss to Illinois. You could see potentially where if they had beaten Illinois, they would come out maybe slow in this one coming off the bye and it's Northwestern, but it's got to be the opposite here. And, and they've got to show us something that, yeah, they, they came to play and um, they don't leave any doubt in this one. And let me just say in taking a look at that Penn state game, just for a second to reference that I thought the Penn state secondary, and, and I know Ohio state was able to score in the air later in the game, but I thought that Penn state secondary played pretty darn well against some good receivers of Ohio state. Some very good receivers, of Ohio state. So when you're looking ahead as, and, and we're just doing this, we're not saying the Terps are, nor should they, but that's that's where, as I just talked about, the importance of being able to run the football. They're going to need to be able to run the football some against Penn State to give themselves a chance. This Saturday's game is an opportunity to get some success, get some confidence under their belt, um, and hopefully you know, further cohesiveness of a line that is uh, much different than it was last year. Yeah, get those gap schemes rolling. That's what's worked uh, towards the latter part of the season. That's what's worked the last two or three weeks that they've tried it when they've gone to more of those gap schemes, the powers and counters, get Antoine Littleton running downfield and hurt some people. You know, I, that's what I want to see. Get this offensive line in a rhythm, get them some confidence. It seems like they've finally figured out for the most part, the they're starting five on the line They're They've been healthy for the most part. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that this week. I think, that, like you said, take some pressure off of Talia heading into that game next week, give them some confidence, run the ball. And that's how you can shorten this game. That's how you can kind of beat the uh, the hope out of Northwestern. Uh, you know, when they're getting out physical on on both sides of the ball, that's kind of what you need to be able to do. Uh, as I alluded to, might be another bad weather game. Although I saw the chance of rain went down uh, when I checked it earlier today, but 50s and cloudy, probably windy up there just outside of Chicago. So running the football would be would be good. And headed into November in the Big Ten would be good when you have to go on the road and you know college park might not get the same big 10 weather that you're going to get elsewhere but when you go out to michigan or i guess michigan comes to college park yes. but regardless uh when you go to nebraska uh you're going to need to be able to run the ball yeah and you've had uh, we've had our fair share of some of bad weather days in, in college park but yeah that's that that's all those are all things that yeah they they need to be able to they need to be able to do um but uh, first things first, taking care of the uh, taking care of the Wildcats. Yeah, absolutely, and no mistakes, no stupid turnovers and penalties. I think that's the biggest thing. And Mike Loxley talks about playing to the standard. This is your opportunity to prove that you know, even though you took a little bit of a hit against Illinois in a in a 
an unfortunate and disappointing loss, you can bounce back with a week off and come out firing on all cylinders and put the Wildcats away early, get Talia out of the game by the fourth quarter. I think that's that's probably the hope, and we'll see if that happens. Well, let's not forget, too, that a sixth win makes it a third straight winning season, and yeah. it makes them bowl eligible. So there's a ton, just as there was against Illinois, but again, that game's in the books. Uh, there's a lot to play for in this game on Saturday. Yeah, you hope that they can use this as a springboard for the rest of the year because three of your next four games after this are not exactly easy. When you're talking about Penn State, Michigan, and now Rutgers on the road, that's not that's not going to be an easy game. That's not a gimme uh, with no. the way that the Scarlet Knights are playing. So all things to watch for this week. Be sure to join the conversation on the message boards, uh, baltimoresportsandlife.com. Uh, we all have articles up there, so be sure to check those out. I'll have my game preview up on uh, Thursday. And uh, we'll be on the message boards during the game as well. If you want to join us there, follow us on Twitter at, ter- at TalkingTerpsBSL. Uh, until next week. For my co-host, Mike Popovic, I'm Zach Kiesel. Roll Terps.